taking it away from this end, hey, if you are a young family or if you have young kids in your household, you might want to check out the rest of this story and the rest of the so-and-so show up here on this link right here. I've always wanted to do this. I don't know if it's actually there. But check out that link right there and watch the rest of the so-and-so show and uh, just enjoy some discussion together. Speaking about young people, we had a 20-something young man uh, give us some feedback this week and just say, so grateful for Crossroads in the midst of all the uncertainty, whether it's COVID, whether it's all of the racial turmoil going on, whether it's financial instability, no matter what it might be right now, they're just grateful for Crossroads in the midst of it speaking into that and bringing some stability. So Don talked about our next step, talking about stability in trying to move back toward whatever may be our new normal. The truth is, I think we all realize there's no going back to the old normal. The new normal is what we're excited about. We want to be a prophetic people. So next week, June 28th, uh, we are going to be celebrating service together outdoors in our parking lot. So we sent out an email uh, that gave information on that. But if you didn't get it, just check out this link, uh, let's say over here. I don't know if it's over here, but I've always wanted to do that as well. And uh, check out that information. And if you need further information, just call or uh, email the church office and Carlotta can uh, plug you in with that, whatever information you might need. But we are so excited about being back together. For those of us that are ready for that, some of us aren't, trust that those of us that are saying, you know what, I want to stay home for a little bit, uh, we are going to do everything we can to not only be a great online presence, but to maybe up our game even more. So we're working on that. We're buying equipment to try to make that the truth. And we're excited about what God has for the future of Crossroads. So stay tuned next week in the parking lot, June 28th, and then online as well. So it's going to be a great, great time. Now, we're picking up this story in Acts chapter 9. I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes about facing our fear. Now, some of you, when I talk about facing our fear, and we've talked about fear a couple of times, actually, since this whole COVID thing started, I want you to know that all of us have fear. I'm one of those guys that says, I don't know that I've got a lot of fear. I was kind of raised in a house where we were really, fear was not a part of what we talked about a lot. But the truth is, is we all have different kinds of fear. When I think about it, I I don't like snakes. I kind of fear snakes. I would really not happy about being around snakes. But we all have different kinds of fears. But I want to talk about facing our fears in the midst of all of the turmoil and the things that are going on in our world today. Now, in Acts 9, uh, of course, the story is centered around Paul or Saul, who would later be referred to as Paul, his conversion. But what I want us to pay attention to, most attention to, is this guy named Ananias this week. Ananias is almost like an afterthought in the story, but I so relate to this guy. This is the guy who's asked by God to do something that seems really unreasonable. 
Have you ever felt like God's asked you to do something that's unreasonable? Like you wonder, or God didn't come through in the way you wanted, and you're thinking, God, really? Can't you give me a break here? Can't you help a brother out? Ananias is the guy in the story that I so admire. He seems like the average person, and he makes incredible, bold choices. So we pick up the story in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, if you have your Bible, and it says, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. So let me give you the backdrop. Paul is now converted as far as he has he has seen the light, essentially. But he's blinded, so he's moved into Damascus, and he's essentially in a holding tank. God begins to speak to Ananias, and he says, The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Did you ever, or maybe even today, do you feel like God's saying to you, get up and go? Do you ever have that moment where God says, it's time for you to go? When I read this scripture, I think about so many things in scripture and so many things in my own life. I think about, for instance, when the Israelites were told or invited by God to leave Egypt and to go out into the desert. It's a step of faith. Get up and go. Or I think about Abraham in the Old Testament, where Abraham is told, go into a place that you do not know of. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there today. Maybe in the midst of everything going on, God is saying to you, just go. I want you to begin to move. Move in partnership with me. I'll lead you, and you just need to trust me. Or That's what Ananias is called to here. So the scripture goes on and it says at this moment, Paul or Saul is praying and he has seen a vision in a vision. A man named Ananias will come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many of many people about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all those who invoke your name. Wow. So Ananias says to God, and I love this. I love this honesty of Ananias. He says, really, God, maybe you haven't heard about this guy. Maybe you haven't heard about how horrifically he has been treating Christians, Christ followers, people of the way. And it's just a moment of honesty. And God goes on and he says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. And I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. 
He then got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately began to proclaim in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And it goes on. you got to read the rest of the scripture. This is amazing stuff, isn't it? This guy is so admirable. Ananias is put in this place. Do you ever wonder, why does God do these things? Like, really, do you ever, when you read scripture or when you just pay attention to your own life, do you ever wonder, like, God, why didn't you just, like, if it were this situation, why didn't, why did you need Ananias to go in and lay hands on Saul? Why didn't Saul just receive his sight? Why didn't he just have this revelation? Certainly God could have done all of that, right? Did you ever notice those things? Did you ever notice how God, I don't know about you, but I think it's probably true of you as well. Did you ever know how God, notice how God seems to be okay with putting you and me in frightening situations? I mean, think about Ananias here. He is asked to go and lay hands on a guy who has not only been throwing Christ followers or people of the way at that point into prison and has the authority to do so. That's really why he's going to Damascus. But he also has the authority to put people to death because earlier, and we read it several weeks ago, Stephen is put to death. And the scripture says that Saul, we talked about it last week, Saul was standing there in approval of Stephen's death. Do you think you'd be afraid? I know I would be afraid. Talk about fear. Why is it that God seems to be okay with these situations? Why is it in your life and mine and in Ananias's life, why is it God's okay with that? to put us in these places that he, that he obviously could keep us from. See, I think that God is less concerned with removing my fear than he is with increasing my faith, elevating my faith. I think that's the story here with Ananias. I think God's end goal is increasing the faith of Ananias. I think there's other things going on here as well. But I think that God isn't really so concerned about removing Ananias's fear, but I think he wants to increase Ananias's faith. Now, history would tell us, um, many would say that Ananias would go on and literally give his life for Christ by being stoned. But it starts in places like this. I don't think most of us or if any of us will ever be stoned. But I do think that God's wanting to bring a bold courage to us. See, it's interesting. Like, uh, there's these processes that God takes us through. Like, why does God have Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies chase the Israelites through the desert in Egypt? Why doesn't God just deliver them? Why does he not take away all of that fear? Why does he let them sit in that fear till they get to the Red Sea and then the Red Sea has to part and they cross it and then Pharaoh and his armies perish? 
What is it about God? Is there something in the pain of fear that he's trying to work in us? Is there something when when we're when we're like asking God to remove the difficulty in our life that he's trying to work into our life? Now he tells Ananias here to go to a street called Straight to lay hands on Saul and to be in that process. Now, I love Ananias's courage. He certainly questions why God would be up to that. Like, what, what in the world's the purpose in this? But he does it, right? He goes, he lays hands on. Saul is healed. He receives his sight. We're not sure what Ananias is involved in beyond that, but we see that Paul is baptized. We see that Paul, for several days, receives teaching and instruction. Ananias may very well be a part of that. He may be the primary. He may be the only part of that. Maybe Ananias, out of his own experience and his faith, are what imparts to Paul what Paul needs in his instruction. We see a little bit further on in chapter 9 that Paul has to be lowered out in a basket of the city of Jerusalem in order to be saved from the people that want to persecute him. So maybe Ananias' Ananias's example of facing into his fear and literally risking his life to pray for Paul, because that's what he was doing, maybe that was just the example that this guy named Paul needs in order to give his own life uh, at the deepest level. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Now, it's interesting. Years ago, I heard this story about, um, you know, there's always this trendy food, right? Like right now, when it comes to fish, for instance, salmon are kind of trendy, have been for a while. And there's like this deep cons consumption of salmon and the benefits of salmon and all of that. Well, years ago, there used to be kind of this trendy desire for cod. Claire and I have been uh, out on the East Coast with our friends that live in Boston, and cod is like kind of a staple out there. Well, one of the things that happened with cod years ago is they had a real hard time getting fresh cod to other parts of the country and the world. So what they tried at first was they thought, well, we'll catch the cod in the East Coast area, which is where the best cod apparently is, and we will ice it, and then we'll ship it around the world. The problem with that was the texture and the taste of the cod when it was frozen was not fresh. It wasn't the same. It was different. It wasn't quite as good. People weren't people that had experienced it said this isn't the the same. But uh, so they thought, well, we'll try something else. So they try. They decided we will literally make kind of aquarium type. Uh, situations where we'll put the cod live into these aquariums and we will ship them to different parts of the world. So they tried that. And the same thing happened. Even though the cod were alive, even though the cod were, in theory, fresh, they were still, they didn't have the same texture, they didn't have the same taste. So they were alive, they looked the same, they looked alive, they looked fresh, but they just weren't fresh and alive. Maybe that's the case for some of us. Somebody came up with this brilliant idea of if we put a predator in the tank with the cod, so they had to be on the move 
And they had to have kind of this underlying fear going on. Maybe that would help them continue the activity that they would experience in their own natural environment. Catfish are a natural predator to cod. So they began to introduce literally catfish into these tanks. And lo and behold, when they did this, because the cod would have to continue to avoid the catfish during the journey, it would help them with their texture, with their taste. And not only would they look alive, they would taste the way that they would in their natural environment. So there was this natural difficulty, this natural fear introduced into the tank with the cod. Could it be that this is the way God has designed us? That there are catfish in our life. There are natural predators. There are things that we should fear. Today, there's no doubt that there are things going on in our lives that we should fear, that we should be concerned about. Whether it's your career, whether it's your finances, maybe for you, it's not just these big global things like racism. Maybe for you, it's just you're wondering how your marriage is going to last. How is your relational world going to maintain or hold up in the midst of all of this? Well, isn't it amazing that possibly God has allowed things in our lives to keep us sharp and fresh? That these things that we fear may be the very thing that as we respond properly, not improperly, but as we respond properly, Claire and I have said through this whole pandemic that what an amazing opportunity, as hard as this season has been, as hard as this season has been when we've, we've come to the forefront of discussing uh, George Floyd's situation and racism as a culture, how difficult it is, but what, are, what a great opportunity for all of us to grow to examine what's going on in our own lives. Could it be that God is trying to keep us all or invite us all to a place of freshness, of texture, of wholeness, of being the best we can be? Could it be that God is calling Crossroads to being the most amazing church that we've ever been? I believe it's so. I believe it's true. So we want to invite you guys that as we recognize the things that maybe could bring fear into our lives. You know, there's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear. Not all fear is bad, right? You all know if you have young children, it's a healthy fear to teach your children to not touch the hot stove. That's a good fear. And then there's unhealthy fear that, that literally destroys us. It's that fear that breaks us down. Jesus himself said it this way. He said, listen, don't fear the things that can simply take your life. Fear that which can take your life and your soul. Matthew 10, 28. What is it in your life? What is the catfish in your life that is there, that is possibly there to keep you fresh? I believe that the things that are going on in the world, not only today, but anytime, that are going on in your world, are there to help keep you fresh. That are going on in my world, are there to help keep me fresh. Keep us ready for what God's called us to. 
keep us sharp, keep our texture good, keep our keep the taste of our life the way it needs to be tasted. So I invite you guys to first of all think about what what is the catfish in your life? For some of us it might be this whole conversation around racism. For some of us it might be the conversation around the health issues with COVID. For some of us it might be career issues or financial issues. For some of us, it might be all of it, and probably many of us, it's all of it. It might be the struggle you have with your children or your relational world. I don't know. You do, though. Know this, that whatever those things are that are swimming in your tank, that God is here wanting to bring the best out of you. God is present in that situation, in that position. Now, as we head into the blessing, I want you to know that the most important thing for all of us as we move to the next step as a church is to trust in God, to allow our heart in the midst of our faith to trust in God. My heart, O Lord, will trust in you. So I speak the blessing of your heart trusting in God on this day. May God empower you. May God keep you sharp and fresh. May the fears that you have be transformed into listening to God's voice like Ananias did, moving into the space that God has for you trusting God with your whole heart and living for him in every way. God bless you, friends. Love you guys so much. Looking forward to seeing you possibly next week.